2: Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind
3: horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking your time to join us each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about the sport of kings Sport of Kings rolling on, doing well, winning ponies doing well, which means we hope you are doing very, very well. Can't get enough of that. I, I can't can't really stretch that enough. It's not about what we're doing. Hopefully, it's about what you are doing, especially with 15 days and right about 22 hours for Kentucky Derby 137. We're all to the races in 2011 as we are over... 2.4 in exotic predictions. Last night, I had dangerous Dan on phone. We were just kind of talking, doing some handicapping, and we lit up the site. Dan took a look at it and fell in love with it. He really liked it. So we're both taking a look at it. We're both examining it, and he found it to be very useful. Very useful information he liked, and I think he's going to be using color-coded tiers, handy icons to remind you of what's happening in the race. Because no matter how good of a handicapper any of us are, it's always nice to have it right there in front of us. Speed ratings for this race and a composite number for the last three. And new part I really like, the in-depth rider trainer information. This is what the big boys and girls use. Check us out on Twitter. Facebook, we got blogs, stories, news, and the best part, free selection. Stop gambling, start winning. Check us out at www.winningponies.com. I don't think you're going to be disappointed with the predictions. Easy to use for the hardcore gambler all the way down to the novice and first time out. I think you're going to like what you see. Stop gambling and start winning at WinningPonies.com. What's happening tonight? What's on the docket? What is on the ledger? A little recap of last week's action. We got some big to talk about. Hopefully, you were aboard as usual. If not, it's never too late. A little story of the week. This one, I, I usually like to choose a story with a little historical perspective. This week, there's some sad news. Racing has a loss, but we'll, we'll get into that here shortly. This week, our special guest is trainer of Derby Mad Runner. Winner of the Louisiana Derby, Pants on Fire. Mr. Kelly Breen's going to be joining us. He's going to be pressed for time. He's going to be squeezing us in. He's going to be pressed. He's on the move. And I believe he even sustained a little injury today. Maybe he shot a Butte and to help him out. But Mr. Breen's going to be joining us briefly and uh, going to be giving us a little update on Pants on Fire. Louisiana Derby winner, Derby bound. Looking forward to that. Then we're going to do some... Updates, stories in the world of racing. Got plenty of action, plenty of news. There's always plenty to talk about. And we've got some in-depth final furlong handicapping for one of the last final weeks of Kentucky Derby 137 preps and a lot of other action out there. Always the best part. Right now I'm watching Lone Star on TVG. Lone Star is up in action you should really check out that track. They have some really, really nice uh, field sizes out down there, and the turf course is pristine, like Lone Star Action. Actually, watch them come around the turn right now. They're about four across. You can throw a blanket across them. So if you make that five across now, and you could actually separate by three parts of a length. But, hey, let's talk about racing right here and now, and let's jump out to last week's action and what actually transpired took place and hopefully you were all aboard, all up on it, and had all of the winners. Arkansas Derby, Grade 1 Oaklawn Park, a million dollars up for grabs. That always makes me smile. A million Bucks or Oakland Park. That is just terrific. Mile and an eighth. Arch, arch, arch goes right to the winner circle. John Kenton Court for Jinx Fires. Wins by a dirty neck over the fast closing Nero. Nero and Arch Arch Arch, both established now in the big wide world of racing. We had the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland. It's a grade one event for three quarters of a million dollars, one eighth, a mile in eighth on the Poly track. Winner is Brilliant Speed. I know that because I got nosed out of a nasty pick four. Brilliant Speed, Joelle Rosario, in time for Tom Albatrani. Brilliant Speed really is her force. In my opinion, more for the turf, but actually transpired very well to the poly track. Beats Twin Spired right at the wire. A nose and a head between the two. What a race for three quarters of a million dollars, indeed. Twinspired, I believe, needs some uh, needs some help to get on the list. Brilliant speed. I think it's all in your hands now. So maybe going derby bound. The Jenny Wiley agreed to at Keeneland. $200,000 up for grass, a mile and the 16th on the turf. Winner never retreats. Sean Bruce Mahan and Chris Block. Chris Block. We just can't get rid of this guy because he's one heck of a trainer. He's just not bound to Chicagoland. He ships out and up and everywhere in between. Love when Mr. Block sends out a turf runner. Wins by a length in three parts. Never retreat. Very nice runner indeed. The Commonwealth Stakes of Keeneland, a grade two event, 175,000. Up for grass, going seven panels. Winner is Aikenite. Aikenite, Johnny Velasquez and Todd Pletcher, wins by two and a quarter lengths and was not the favorite in here. And actually, it was a very compact field of five. Aikenite made his uh, way down the outside and got up. And I'll tell you what, got the job done. Johnny V. made it look easy. We got the Santa Barbara Handicap, and that was a grade two event at Santa Anita, $150,000 up for grabs. Mile and a quarter on the weeds. Malibu Pier was the winner, Brice Blanc. For Carly Gaines, wins by a half a length. I went back and saw it. Pretty solid race indeed. Had the Distaff Handicap, a grade two at Aqueduct, $147,000 up for grabs. Seven panels on the line. Nicole H. was the winner for trainer Mike and Wins by two and a half lengths. The Charlestown Classic. Grade three at Hollywood Casino at Charlestown races. One million dollars up for grass. Jersey Joe Bravo took Duke of Mischief. Right to the winner's circle for David Fox. Winning by two and a quarter lengths. Duke of Mischief. Nice runner by Graham Hall there. The Shaker Town of Keeneland. Grade three event. $100,000. Five and a half on the weeds. Stratford Hill was the winner. Johnny Velasquez and Todd Pletcher show teaming up again, winning by a half a length. Very nice indeed. San Simeon handicap, a grade three, Santa Anita Park, $100,000. Six and a half on the grass, regally ready for Steve Asmussen, wins by a dirty nose and takes it down for Vinery Stables. So that's what was happening last week as far as biggins. Friday, April fifteenth. There was eighty-seven total biggins. Hope you had each and every one of them. If not, just a few of the sweet ones. The best one of the day was Emerald Downs in race two. Superfecta key, three thousand two hundred twelve dollars and eighty cents. And then we roll right up onto Saturday, April sixteenth, hundred and forty-five total biggins. Delta Downs race nine, thirteen thousand thirty-nine even. Sunday, April seventeenth. We had some sweet winners, 87 total biggins. Santa Anita leads the back, race three, three twenty forty. Monday, April 18th, 32 total biggins. Mountain near the mountain, race 10, $3,554 and 40 cents. Hope you left the clerk a nice tip there. Tuesday, April 19th, 37 total biggins. Mountain again, $5,008 and 40 cents. Wednesday, there was 20 total biggins. Evangeline Downs, E B G tears them apart with race ten, eight thousand nine eighty seven forty Thursday, April twenty one, thirty-six total biggins. Hollywood Park was the winner because we still got races on going as we race number four pays nine hundred ninety-nine twenty. So there is what's happening for Biggins. There's what's happening for a recap. We got Mr. Kelly Breen on hold. We're going to be jumping out to him here shortly. He is pressed for time, so we're going to actually zip it up. As soon as we come back from break, we're going to be jumping out to Kelly Breen, and this is the trainer, Pants on Fire, Louisiana Derby. If you were asleep, if you missed it, check in with Mr. Breen. We'll see what's happening, and maybe we'll get to hear a little bit more from him and get to know him a little bit. I usually like to do a story with some historical perspective or something nice. I really wish I had something good to say here, but this story of this week was about Mr. Jess Jackson, who passed away. Owner of Rachel alexander and Curlin died at the age of eighty-one. Jess Jackson, owned owner of Stoner Street Stables and Campaign Horse of the Year, Curlin and Rachel Alexandra died at home in Gyersville, California on Thursday, cause of complications from cancer. According to a release issued Thursday morning by his Kendall Jackson winery, Jackson was eighty-one. According to Steve Asmussen, here's an irreplaceable human being. And Asmussen trained Curlin and Rachel Alexander for Jackson. Asmussen assistant, Scott Blasey was the saddle Jackson and George Bolton's astrology in the grade two Jerome stakes on Saturday at Aqueduct. And he said Mr. Jackson was such a competitor at everything he did. He was a champion in accepting winning a champion in accepting defeat. There's no better person that he'd ever work for as far as generosity and compassion. A deep love for horses and wanted what was best for them at all times. He said he'd never seen a guy that had more respect for the horses than Mr. Jackson. He first started racing thoroughbreds in the 60s with a partner, which was his uncle, Dr. I.B. Ballinger. And then he returns back and he comes back seriously in 2003 and developed a reputation as a high rolling auction purchaser. In 2004, he spent almost $22 million at the Keeneland November sale alone to buy 95 horses. That was incredible. I remember that. That was just super. He led buyers of two-year-olds with gross expenditures last year after buying seven juveniles for over $4 million, almost $5 million. Mr. Jackson was a self-made man. He actually went forth and he had to sue some bloodstock advisors. He was actually trying to bring transparency to the game, make it more honest make it more open where we can actually see it. He stood up and said that the game has a drug problem and the racing desperately needed a legitimate national owners governing body with federally sanctioned authority to make and enforce consistent rules, regulations, and standards. He said Thurmond Racing's broken business model saying the industry focused excessively on breeding horses for early brilliant speed at relatively short distances Today, too many breeders end up producing heavily conformed upper body muscled horses with relatively fragile legs. We need stamina and durability as well as speed. He also called for more owners and breeders to breed horses rather than sell. Mr. Jackson, you will be missed. Jess Jackson, gone at the age of 81. Well, it's time to head on to a break. And when we return, we're going to be chatting with this week's special guest here on Winning Ponies, Mr. Kelly Breen. It's going to be brief, it's going to be good, and it's only going to be here on Winning Ponies.
1: Your internet flagship station for sports... America's Sports. And they're
2: off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA is got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry, your front row seat to the world of racing, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on
0: the Borgs America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. Tired of the same mundane talk radio show, boring opinions, and people not knowing or telling the truth? Tune into The Sports Life with Josh and Otis. This show is brought to you by two men who know the good, the bad, and the ugly of professional sports. Josh and Otis's experience and careers in the NFL give them access to the inside information and a reason to have a candid opinion. Tune into the Voice America Sports Channel Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific. The Sports Life with Josh and Otis. It's more than sports talk. It's a way of life.
2: winning ponies with your host ed meyer got a tip for us need a tip from us if you want to talk with ed or his guests the phone lines are now open toll free at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. now back to winning
3: ponies with ed meyer And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking your time to be with us each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about the Sport of Kings. This is our second segment where we have on our special guest of the week. This week no different. The only thing different is this man's on the run tonight, and we have got him for a very brief spell. But a brief spell, we're going to enjoy the same trainer of Pants on Fire, which was the Louisiana Derby with Rosie Napravnik, who was our guest on a few weeks back. But this is Mr. Kelly Breen joining us this evening. Kelly, how are you? Doing quite
4: well. How are you?
3: I'm doing very well. Thanks for taking time. I know you're very pressed and very busy and we'll be very brief with uh allowing you to get back to action here. Kelly, you, you hail from New Jersey and, and could you tell our listeners a little bit how you found your way into the Sport of Kings?
4: Um I guess the best way to describe it is I grew up gambling a little bit. Always going to the track on the weekends with my parents, going to Monmouth Park and uh Enjoying the part of winning, and uh, winnings in my blood, and it was just kind of like uh, the gambling aspect going to the track. I went to the Meadowlands, that harness. It was, uh, you know, horses and betting were in my blood.
3: And you worked for Ben Perkins, I believe. I, I somewhere around ninety four to I, I I don't have the exact date there, but uh, working for the barn of Ben Perkins uh, was was he a mentor in uh, in your abilities to where you are right now? Uh,
4: for sure. He was a great guy. I mean, he still is a great guy. I talked to him often. He was a just a class guy, very nice, you know, mentor. And to say that he wasn't a uh, a teacher, teacher, you just had to watch everything and observe. You know, I could have just been there and been a, a co-pilot and, and just went along with whatever he said. But I tried to observe everything that he did and the things that worked and the things that... Uh, you know, you try and put all these different things into your soup to see what's going to taste right at the end. And, you know, I learned a lot from him. He was just a, a class guy and, and knew what he was doing, knew how to get horses to run.
3: Enjoyed watching Mr. Perkins lead them over, and now we know what was in the soup. It was actually a gentleman uh, working his way up from 94 to right around, what, 2000?
4: Yes, correct.
3: Uh, that's That is quite a schooling there. You, you, you've you been the leading trainer at Monmouth Park more than a few times. Actually, we had on Jersey Joe Bravo a few weeks ago with us, a very nice gentleman. And he spoke of the tides. Now, that that was really one of the first time I really heard about it, and I'm from Kentucky, and he spoke of the tides playing a factor. Did you find that to be the case in the, in a, as a day at the races at Monmouth Park?
4: You know, you, you normally don't go by it as a major guideline, but you do notice that when the track records are in jeopardy, that it's generally a high tide. The uh, one of the inlets actually comes up to the back barn of Monmouth Park, believe it or not. So, on high tide, you can just coming into the stable gate. You can see the uh, the tide is high, and you know, it keeps the moisture in the track. Uh, I'm assuming that they don't have to uh, put nearly as much water on the track, or it just tightens it down that much firmer, and you know we do have faster tracks
3: in the high tide i take it is right about the end of the end of the race card
4: it it changes every day you know sometimes you get uh-huh. lucky and you're in the feature and you're, <laughs> you're looking for a big performance and you say hey that was all the horse, and in the meantime, you might have been running on a little bit faster strip.
3: <laughs> Come on, Ocean, work with me here. In in 2007, you became the private trainer for uh, Ms. Laurie and Mr. George Hall. Do you find working for one group of owners more of a team environment versus taking all comers to your barn?
4: Well, it's you know, it's six to one, half dozen of the other. I really enjoy being able to put more of my time on a select number of horses. Um, You know, at the same time, I wouldn't mind if I had, you know, to see what some of these uh, top trainers are that I'm going up against. And they have 200 horses and we have, you know, 25. Sometimes I feel like I'm up against the odds a little bit. I think we hold our own.
3: I'd say you would definitely do more than hold your own. And that kind of segues right into the, the next question here. This week, or excuse me, this year in the Louisiana Derby, your charge pants on fire won the 139th running, and you made history with the first lady rider going to the winner's circle. Can you describe what a super day for our listeners this must have been for you and your barn?
4: You know, I, I can't stop smiling about it. It's uh a little bit surreal when you're there and it's a long day and you're waiting for it all day long. And, you know, sometimes you, you get asked a question right after the race and you're saying, you know, you don't know if you're going to say the right thing. And it comes to one of the reporters says, at the top of this stretch and, you know, you, you're in contention. What were you, what was going through your mind and what were you saying? And I said, you know, I was kind of, uh, we, we really like the horse that Joe Bravo was riding in the race. We ran an entry in it, and I was saying, uh, you know, come on, Joe, get him out. You know, I thought he was trapped down on the inside <laughs> a little bit, and, and all the reporters started laughing. I said, well, well, that's what I was thinking about. I thought the better horse at the time, you know, that we had been training uh, extremely well was the horse Nacho Business, and he was in a little bit, uh, couldn't find his, his, his groove yet. And at the same time, uh... you know you're trying to watch two horses in the same race and you look back up and you say i know the other horse is training well and he's he ain't giving it up
3: <laughs> giving it up was hard to that, that's, that's an easy way of putting it. Rosie got down in her belly and just really started scrubbing it and it was exciting all the way down the lane and uh... pants on fire really turned a lot of heads on uh... derby bound final question mr breen i know time is pressing and you have places to be and uh... and and being on the mend yourself Pants on fire, Derby bound for the first Saturday in May. How is he doing overall? And do you have any schedule for the final touches that you're going to be putting on this Derby runner?
4: Well, I think we're going to breeze him on Saturday, is the plan as of right now, um, at Palmetto's in Florida. Then he'll ship to Churchill right after he's done with that. And possibly either the next Saturday or Sunday. I'm not sure. We'll you know, Kentucky, you have to watch the weather. I know a couple of the horses that are up there already are either training on uh, inclement weather tracks, or sloppy tracks, or not going to the track because it's uh not the best. So we're trying to schedule ourselves a little bit around the weather that's up there. And we were watching the weather all week down here in Florida in case we weren't going to miss a work or anything like that, and it's just been... 85 and sunny every day, so everything's on schedule with the horse. He's doing great. He looks great. Uh, I just wish it was tomorrow, you know, just try and say that he's doing so well. He, he's really, you know, to say a horse coming off of a big effort that he's continued to do well. He continues to hold his flesh, which, you know, I had it, a lot of horses that I really liked, not to say a lot, but five horses that I thought were worthy of uh, putting into this kentucky derby uh, scheme of things and you know you see a horse like nacho business comes out of the louisiana derby and he has to go to the farm he's got some swelling in his uh, ankle and knee and just wasn't right i have another horse that uh you know just isn't doing well and right now everything is right on schedule for him it couldn't be any better I, i have my fingers crossed while i'm speaking just to say you know just let everything continue for the next two weeks how it's continuing right now, I'll be one happy camper.
3: Well I know many of our listeners out there are rooting right along with you as far as well as myself. And you also have Rosie Napravnik in the saddle?
4: we we got Rosie. Uh, I'm happy to have her, you know, just to have uh, you know a little bit of youth with us, gung ho. <laughs> um you know, she's coming off of a great fairgrounds meet and you know she's a hot rider. She apparently knows what she's doing. She's in the right spot at the right time. And, you know, I don't think many of the riders that are out there uh, care whether she's a girl or a boy. She's a competitor. You know, she she handles the boys. It it, it takes a a lot to be a leading rider at any racetrack. I don't care what racetrack you're at. And for her to do with accomplishments that she's doing, you know, everybody should be taking their hat off to her. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we we could do history again here with being the first girl to win the Kentucky Derby. I wouldn't mind if she's on one of
3: my horses. That would be wonderful. She's going to be the first lady rider since 2003 with Rosemary Homeister was aboard. And as you said, the most important point, uh... Uh, lady or gent doesn't matter. I, I think uh, she taught the Cajun boys a, an awfully good lesson down there. And if they have any, uh, if they want any references, I'm sure that uh, the gentleman will be more than happy to uh, speak of her abilities. Kelly, we know that you're pressed for time, and we wanted to thank you very much for for spending your time with us on behalf of Winning Ponies. i would like to wish you and the halls the best. We'll be rooting for you down the lane this year for Kentucky Derby 137, and our best to you and your sir. Thank you, and feel better, Mr. brain okay thank you take care thank you that's been kelly breen trainer of pants on fire he was pressed he wasn't feeling very well but you know what he held in there pretty good i think it was buton lasix and he held in there pretty good and what quite a gentleman there he was spent his time with us and uh... you know what kinda like it he sucked it up wasn't feeling well and he was pressed for time doubly speaking but uh... very nice indeed and that's kind of some nice information on pants on fire who uh, showed us a, a new dimension, Louisiana Derby under Rosie? And uh, who knows, they might just jump up and score because they're taking a lot of action. Talking about talking about a lot of action here. The win horse racing odds to win the 137th running of the Kentucky Derby run them down. Animal Kingdom opened up at 225 to one, is 28 to one. arch charge is 12 to one. Astrology 50 to one. Beermeister, meister 150 to one brilliant speed 40 to one comet to the top 50 to one decisive moment goes at 40 to one dialed in you get a fresh four to one after opening up at 100 to one flashpoint 75 to one jp's gusto 60 J.Cito, 14 to one master of the hounds 25 for your one midnight interlude you get a Dicey, 22 to 1, I thought it'd be higher. At Robin it up at 125 to 1. Mr. Commons 175 to 1. Mucho Macho man 18 to 1. Nacho Saint 200 to 1. Nero 9 to 1. Pay attention there boys and girls. Norman Abjorsen. 200 to 1. Pants on fire, you're getting 20 to 1 for Mr. Breen. Ruler on ice, 250 to 1. Rustler Hustler, 250 to 1. Santiva, 40. Shackleford, 35. Silver Made 85. Sold at 18. Stay Thirsty is 50 to 1. The Factor, 15 to 1. Toby's Corner, 16 to 1. Traveling Man, 125 to 1. Twice the Appeal, 50 to 1. Twin Spired, very nice indeed in the bluegrass. Just getting nosed out. You're getting 60 to 1. Uncle Mo, how about 6 to 1 right there after opening up at 40 to 1? Watch me go, 100 to 1. And bear 150 to 1. And remember, it is all based on graded earnings when it comes down to it because they can only get 20 in the gate. So that graded earnings and these preps have meant a whole lot throughout the year. And from this point on, I would really start reading the bar notes on the Churchill Downs site. I would read uh, uh, everything from the Pollock Report, EquiDaily. I would check in with all the blogs, all the stories. You want to really keep informed, and you want to see who's who, as you just heard from Mr. Breen there, about his runner pants on fire. Seems like if they were in the Derby tomorrow, he'd be pretty happy and I think his barn would be as well. Well, it is time to head into a break. When we return, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about some more in the wide, wide world of racing, and there's always plenty of action going on. And after that, we're going to do some final furlong handicapping here on Winning Ponies.
0: fantasy sports is where the action really is over 40 million people play fantasy sports but rarely do they get to quiz the experts fantasy insights is the name and the game
2: tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now
3: back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Hope you got Kelly Breen. He was brief, but he was on the run. He had places to go and horses to feed, and he was on the mend himself. And he also gave us some information on Paths on Fire, feeling very, very, very good. I feel if they ran the Derby maybe in 20 minutes, I think <laughs> he'd be feeling pretty good. we got some news from around the world of racing. As always, road to the Triple Crown wild prep season puts many out in the cold. The 2011 Triple Crown season has left many jockeys looking for the mount. During the past four years, Calvin Burrell has been the dominant derby figure with an unprecedented unprecedented run of three victories and made him famous and played a large role in placing him on the ballot for the induction into the Hall of Fame. But he's one of several high-profile riders who are in limbo with the first Saturday in May with fewer than three weeks away. Besides Burrell, how about fellow Derby winners Kent DeSormo, Mike Smith, Edgar Prado? Three of the top five riders by earnings in 2010 were without firm commitments. Ramon Dominguez, the reigning Eclipse Award outstanding jockey is available. Garrett Gomez, the Eclipse recipient in 8 09, has something in the works, but nothing finalized? Wow. You talk about, I mean, to me, this is kind of crazy here because usually... By about now, all the big riders, and they're fighting for them. And talking about fighting for them, there's going to be some great stakes this Saturday. And actually running down that stakes from the Daily Racing Forum on April 23rd, Lone Star of the Texas Mile, it's a grade three event. Keeneland has the Coolmore Lexington grade three, one of the last big derby, perhaps $200,000 up for grabs. Jerome Stakes at Aqueduct is a grade three event. Woodbine has the Whimsical Stakes. Hollywood Park is opening up. They have the TVG Snow Chief. Keeneland has the Ben Alley Stakes, another grade three. Hollywood has the Moller Stakes, the Tisnow Stakes, the Be Thoughtful Stakes. Hawthorne has a bevy of nice $100,000 Stakes, the Pretty Jenny Stakes, the Land of Lincoln, the Peach of it, the Governor's Lady, the Robert S. Molero, the Milwaukee Avenue Handicap. Keeneland also has the Giants Causeway, a very nice race which I really like. It's a five-and-a-half furlong turf event. Pimlico has the Dahlia, and then we've got Prairie Meadows. They've got the Golden Circle. Don't forget Alphabet Kisses at Hollywood. Will Rogers has the Oklahoma Stallion Stakes, and uh, they've got two branches of that there. Golden Gate has the Work the Crowd Stakes. I like that one. Sunray Park has the inaugural Handicap. Hastings has the, the Brig House Bell Stakes. Lone Star, the Irving Distaff. The Grand Prairie Turf Challenge, which I really like that one. And then we've got the Grand National. How about them? Apples, three and a quarter on the turf. Foner Park has the Foner Park Special and the Runza Stakes. So that kind of gives you a little bit of action of what is actually going to be heading up for us this weekend. And somebody, you know, I really enjoyed watching Playa's trade in the saddle was Tyler Bayes, And it. It kind of came up in a conversation about a few months ago. Where's he been? Well, jockey Tyler Bass has not ridden since July when he suffered facial industry injuries in a pre-race accident at Del Mar. And I remember this, and it just seems like yesterday. I'm sure not for Tyler Bass, but he's been working horse at Turf Paradise in Phoenix this month, preparing for a return to riding in California this spring. Bay said Sunday that he is not set a date for returning to riding, although he may ride a few at Turf Paradise, then return to Southern California. T- Turf Paradise TUP runs through May 8th, and he says, I'm getting fit. I'm getting cleared to get on horses. He said he was really not sure when he would resume riding. It depends on when I go home, he said, returning to Southern California. I want to make sure I'm a hundred percent and ready. Tyler, welcome back to the game. Talking about somebody coming back to the game, now this was kind of cool. Keeneland. Jean Cruguet was going to do a one race comeback put on hold at Keeneland. Now, Keeneland didn't throw a flag about it, and this is written by Marty McGee in the Daily Racing Forum. It would have been quite a novelty, if not an all outside show, but the trainer who was scheduled to give the 72 year old Jean Kruger a leg up in a Thursday race at Keeneland, has reconsidered, and McCrughey is waiting for a more appropriate time to make his one-race comeback. He was named to ride Ray Toath in the 7th on Thursday, but was replaced by Jesus And uh, Actually, the trainer said the Phillies coming off a seven-month layoff, and the jock would be coming off a 15-year layoff. He wants to ride, and everyone understands that. Along with Ronnie Turcotte and Steve Cawthon, Kruget is one of three, three living jockeys to have won the Triple Crown aboard Seattle Slough in 77. Kruget, who last rode competitively in 96, said he was trying to come back for two reasons, to honor the memory of his late wife Denise, who died last September following a lengthy and debilitating illness, and to donate his earnings to the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund Guild. He said, it's okay. He's about as fit and as healthy as he can be. He says, he's not 20, but he says he feels 42, and he says, it's okay. We can wait. So, jean is going to be making his way back to the saddle. How long, we will not know, but I'm looking kind of forward to that one. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. What's going on in the world of horse racing? And this was according to the Daily Herald. Horse racing insiders say, toughest year ahead for state tracks. Horse racing at Arlington Park, a fixture of the community since 1927, they're they're on they're on life support, and uh, it, it, it's full of sadness. Now, get this: this really caught me by, by the by the shirt collar here. 20 years ago, in 1990, in Illinois, they bet 358 million dollars on live thoroughbred racing. According to the figures for 2010, they bet 107 million. A decline of nearly 70%. Dick Duchessois, who's owned at least part of Arlington since 83, said this isn't the first time since horse racing has faced economic storms. Back in the late 70s, horse racing was in a similar situation. We had something to be done, but I think this time it's a little different. And I'm not one to squabble with Mr. He's a He's been a genius in bringing back Arlington, but I think this time it's, it's a little tougher. More of the bad, but then I'm going to round out with the good for horse racing. Santa Anita handle down in all categories. They raced 70 days during the 10 and 11 meet, down from 78 from the comparable 2009 and 10 meet. There were 65 fewer races. On track handle had the lowest decline of 3.3%. Doesn't sound like much. And then the largest drop came from out-of-state, which fell 14.3%. Other categories, in-state handle and other wagering outlets, if you have an OTB or such, they're down 7.7%. And the ADWs, the advanced deposit wagering, was down 11.9%. What does that speak? Overall daily handle was down 11.6%. Now, that's a lot of money. And if you're really not, if you just say, "Boy, the numbers just make my head spin," they make my head spin too. But actually, the numbers speak to what uh, what what state of racing is in. But here's something for you to actually stick in your pipe and smoke it. Lone Star Park draws 50,471 fans fans for opening weekend. They concluded its opening weekend it as 15th spring thoroughbred meet with a 16 percent gain in attendance, 10 percent jump and on track betting and it was bolstered by post race performances by Randy Rogers band and Uncle Ted Nugent. So Lone Star Park, you're doing things right, and you made things happen in Thoroughbred Racing. Well, it is time to head out to a break. When we return we're gonna come back, we're gonna do some final furlong handicapping, and you're gonna wanna write it down in pen here on Winning Ponies. I ain't saying she a gold digger I'm But she ain't messing with no broke niggas Now nah, I ain't saying she a gold digger I'm But she ain't messing with no broke niggas
1: Your internet flagship station for sports Voice America Sports And they're
2: off What?
1: Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports Voice America Sports
2: tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer.
3: If I had a... And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer and thanks for joining us all through the show each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Make sure you check out Winning Ponies at www.winningponies.com. Stop gambling, start winning, take a look at it, and you get news, stories, blogs, you got easy-to-read predictions. I think that you're going to really enjoy it, and you get free selections from time to time. I think I'm going to actually do have some for this weekend and for Keeneland for tomorrow. But... Let's jump into Saturday and let's start talking about the action that's going to be coming up on the twenty-third. And let's start with race number nine at New York and it's Aqueduct, the one-mile Jerome. It's a Grade Two event, hundred and fifty thousand dollars for three-year-olds. They're going to go the one-turn mile in here. It's slated to go at five fifteen, and that's Eastern time. And also, there's a start of a, of a very nice Pick Four in race seven. It's a two hundred fifty thousand dollar guaranteed Pick Four. And in, in the Jerome here, I, I came up with the five, and that's Rattlesnake Bridge. Six to one, Jose Liscano, Kier McLaughlin. McLaughlin's winning 33%. This two, three-year-old son of Tapit is two for two in lifetime. That's a win and a second. And if the name rings a bell to you, it was on March 12th at Gulfstream Park where Rattlesnake Bridge ran a beautiful second to Uncle Moe. Three wide bid and ran a second after. Right before that was a very impressive maiden break at Gulfstream Park. Gulfstream Park shippers are just going each and every direction and just and just tearing them apart. Been uh, training very nice at Belmont over uh, over the training track. Very solid uh, morning works indeed. It's a four hundred fifty thousand dollars sales purchase. Three year old son of Tappet, Les kind of winning eighteen percent on the year, McLaughlin, thirty three percent. I think they're gonna team up very nicely as McLaughlin wins twenty three percent with his route races. I like Rattlesnake Bridge in the ninth race, the Jerome an aqueduct. That's the five horse, six for year one. And I'll tell you what. I, you know, I get to look at it. And I said, I cannot believe you're getting six for one. I mean, uh, I was actually guessing, honestly, trying to play odds maker. I was going to guess seven to two. And then we're going to go to Keeneland on Saturday. And also there's a very nice pick for D. There always is each and every weekend. We're going to go to the 7th race at Keeneland, the Ben Ali. It's a great three event a mile and an eighth. Remember, there are two finish lines. This is the furthest finish line. The closer finish line is only for a mile and a sixteenth. The 7th race is a mile and an eighth event. in here, four-year-olds and older, should be a walkover, in my opinion, because there's really an absence of speed. There's an absence of speed. Now, that's withstanding the three, XI, who is just a blistering cult. Six to five in the morning, JJ Castle on the Irons for Todd Pletcher. At Keeneland, a win and a second from two starts. Now, here's the part that was really a seller because it is Polytrack. Five starts, four of which are winners, and one is a second. Now, been off for almost five months, a little more than five months, to be very honest with you. Uh, right on right on the target, ran in the grade two Fayette and ran seconds, to successful, Dan. But uh, reeled off one, two, three, four in a row back in 2010, and they were all on the poly. I see a real solid poly performer here, J.J. Castellano in the irons. They're going to come back. They're going to run a mile and an eighth. What also caught my eye with the uh, with the time away Plutcher wins twenty percent with his ninety days or more runners, and on April seventeenth at Churchill in the mud. They breeze fifty nine and four. That was a bullet. The best of twenty four works. Now remember, we got a lot of Derby bound horses running down there working, and a lot of the undercard specials. And to actually light up the board on the seventeenth of April, Churchill Downs, you're doing something. So in race number seven, part of your uh, part of your pick four down at uh, Keeneland, I like X I six to five. You got to take what you get. It's a compact field of five slated to go off. At 4:18, and then we go into race number eight, and race eight goes at 4:49 to post 11. Go postward, it's five and a half on the greensward. You're definitely going to want to pay attention with your predictions, especially with winning ponies, with the change of weather tab, because rain has really been uh, throughout Kentucky. They've had a lot of storms, and and the turf course down there has had a lot of cut and or give to it, which you know, not to have that European feel. But it's kind of soft. It's kind of soft, and we're we're slated to have a little more rain. So make sure you check your weather dial there, and you can always change your predictions because if you had to slate it up for a fast or firm track, well, it's always going to be fast for the poly track, but firm for the turf. You can back it off, and you can make it a little softer. But in the eighth race, the five and a half furlong giant causeway, it's for a hundred thousand dollars for fillies and mares, and here I see this to be a two gal race. And uh, you know, kind of, kind the my real heartfelt favorite is the three Rose Catherine five to two. J.J. Castellano again for Todd Pletcher spoke about that earlier. Second start off of a layoff, ran against the boys two times in a row. One was in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint, and ran uh, ran seventh uh, by four lengths against Chamberlain Bridge, going five on the turf, and then against the boys again, first time out in 2011. But back against Phillies and Mares, I see Rose Catherine just actually giving them a torture job and going to be really, really tough to handle. Uh, worked a bullet on April 17th at Palmetto's, the best of 22. Meadows is deep. 48 flat is a very nice work indeed. That's very sharp. Got a high percentage trainer with Proctor and Castellano. But also, who caught my eye was number 11 on the outside. Now that's really not a, a favorable uh, post position, and that's Stormy Publisher. And uh, got got some stalking speed here. Alan Garcia and Christophe Clement they team up here. Lifetime 13 starts, seven wins, three seconds. So that adds up to be 10 out of 13. But if you take a look, there's been, some, there's been some gaps in this mare's running. It's a daughter of Bernstein. It has not raced in 48 days. But I really like everything that Garcia is actually getting on down there. He's winning a 34%. And getting back to the, uh, to the turf course might be a welcome addition for this five-year-old mare. And actually, she was running in Argentina before that. Uh, she's had three races in the United States, Belmont, Tampa, and Gulfstream Park. Alan Garcia is quite the rider indeed. The three starts in the United States, when you can add a little Lasix to it, those are three straight wins. So I say Rose Catherine and Stormy Publisher box him up. But if I had to bet my deuce, it would be on Rose Catherine, and you're getting five to two. And if you get five to two on Rose, take it, lock it in, bet early and bet often. Race number nine at Keeneland is the mile and a 16th, and now that is the shorter finish line, grade three Lexington, the Coolmore Lexington, grade three, $200,000, up for grabs. In here, it, it is a very nice race, indeed. You have Derby Kittens Compact Field, Silver Medallion is eight to five. Once again, J.J. Castellano. And, and coming down, you got Prime Cut, Hurricane Lake, Tap Town, and then I come out to the outside in this Compact Field of six, that is the 6th, Caspers Touch, Alan Garcia and Kenny McPeak. Now grab a hold of this one and hold on tight. McPeak is winning 55% of the time. That is incredible. I saw his, I saw his last race on April 8th at Keeneland going seven panels. They ran 10-and-4 of the three-quarters, and Garcia just opened up at well three wide late on the turn and really seemed to relish the poly track. Down at Keeneland, has had six starts lifetime, four of which are in the money. It's son of Touch Gold, I like everything about Casper's Touch. Now I know Silver medallions is going to be eight to five, eight to five, and probably shooting for every bit and piece for the uh, for the Derby, for the greatest stakes earnings. But after watching uh, two back at the Fountain of Youth. Where it just looked like Casper's touch was lost, and that was on uh, February 26th, but came out renewed. Now, if you're looking for that poly track runner, I would have to say Casper's touch is really going to be uh, doing quite well. McPeak, 55% a winner. I cannot believe that. And if he wins his last race, he comes back to score 22%. Now, those are those are some just flat out scary numbers. And uh, and in fact, I I really. Uh, Really fell in love with Kenny McPeak this entire uh, this entire year. He's actually was a guest on uh, one of our shows. I've always enjoyed his training, but this year at Keeneland, really fell in love. And then we shift up to Woodbine on Saturday in the eighth race at Woodbine, slated to go off at 4:35 Eastern time. The Grade Three Whimsical. We're going to go six furlongs. That's three quarters of a mile. It's $150,000 up for grass. Plenty, and I mean plenty of speed in here. When you actually start looking at it. You know, I, I was I was kind of caught between who's going to make the lead, if it if it all shakes out as is. I love the three, and that's Indian Apple is. Luis Contreras is in the irons for Robert Tiller. Had 15 starts at Woodbine, six five and one, and that adds up to 12 for 15 in the money at Woodbine. Ran uh, seven furlongs, but they're only going to go six. At six furlongs. Five starts, two, two, and one, which is five for five in the money at the distance. Five-year-old mare by Indian Charlie really looks good to me. Cutting back from seven furlongs. The six panels, I think, might be the answer. It looks like the faster that they run it, if you go back two races back, they ran a 109 and three. Under Chantel Sutherland, Indian Apple is just really came roaring. And and both uh, both six-for-long races I'm looking at right here, right now, are just super impressive. The faster they run it, it looks like the better that she is going to like it. So in the eighth race of Woodbine, take a look at the three. Indian Apple is and if you're going to get if you're going to get 3 to 1 i mean you got to be crazy not to take that i know it sounds like you know you know the chalk uh, the chalk rules but you know for the races that i looked at I, I think that they're just unbeatable. String them up and check in with the, the predictions and string them up and pick fours, pick threes, make hay while the sun shines. Then we're going to go to Lone Star. I'm watching them here on TVG, and I'm going to be watching them on Saturday. In race number seven, you got the Grand Prairie Turf Challenge. Very nice race. $50,000. We're going to go a mile on the turf. In here. You know, I, I was kind of scratching my head, and I said, well, it's Jock again. And that's the Deuce Baltimore Bob in the seventh race. They're, they're slated to go up 423 Central Time, 523 Eastern, 9-5 to uh with Mr. Barry and the answer Cody Autry. Cody Audry's winning 22% on the year and he's actually had three starts with this 6-year-old uh, horse, two wins and a second. Baltimore Bob looks to be Baltimore Ready. So I'm going to be all over Baltimore Bob and if you get 9 to 5, I think I would just call home, get as much money as you could actually get into your sock and get out there. Eighth Race Alone Star is the Grade 3 Texas Mile, 1 mile up for grabs in a very competitive field. In here, I was pretty amazed. Steve Asmussen has a rabbit and a closer. A rabbit and a closer kind of setting it up here. But I don't think they can beat the other chalk. And that's the three Gladding. John Kenton Court, who's been riding down a Keeneland. Now, this is the part I really like. John Court riding to Keeneland. He was riding there today. And he's also riding for John Sadler, who ships in from the West Coast. Now, they're shipping in the Lone Star for a reason. The reason being, because Gladding is going to pick up a huge payday here. This is a Grade Three event, dropping down from the Grade One, uh, a Grade One event, the Santa Anita handicap, got kind of dusted there, and, and just faced so much better. But actually, Gladding is a real warrior, and, and I'm real, real excited about this one here to string up in some exotics. I, I, John Court doesn't ship down to Texas all the time. He's not down there uh, you know, seven days a week. He's mainly a Kentucky rider. You'll see him in California sometimes. You, you'll see him where the money's at. And if he's down there, you can bet for Mr. John Sadler that, in fact, he is going to be putting his best foot forward. So there it is. There's some action for the weekend. We had a Mr. Kelly Breen. We've had on a full bevy. We've had on the full complement of action. And time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing. The days are dwindling, 15 days, 22 hours, and counting. So until next week, when we meet again, be sure to enjoy some of the last Derby prep action. And may your winners be many, your photos be few, and God bless Jess Jackson. Thank you for the memories. You will be missed. Good night, everyone.
2: Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.